You're listening to the Australian Water Association podcast series. My name is Peter Dredge and joining me is Andrew Woods, Strategic Analytics Manager at Sydney Water. And we're discussing customer water use behaviours. Welcome, Andrew. Um, Thanks, Peter. Happy to be virtually here. Now, Andrew, in your role at Sydney Water, you were involved in a study of residential customer water usage. Can you give me the background to the study? Sure can, Peter. So what the uh, study involves is uh, very detailed uh, loggers installed on customer water meters, um, about 200 customers across our network. We originally did that study in order to inform our long-term demand forecasting, um, but then the the drought came upon us in the Sydney area sure. and we refocused our attention on drought response in terms of the end use study. Basically what the what the loggers do is they record very minute measurements of uh, uh, water consumption. Um, I think it's about 14 millilitres every 10 seconds, I think they measure. And with the wow. help of a university partner, we were able to define, well, that's a, that's a shower usage, that's a washing machine usage, that's a, that's a toilet flushing. Those, those sorts of things. Wow. So you don't require individual sensors on different outlets. You can actually determine with a degree of certainty the usage based on the amount of water being used in each instance. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, it's the amount of water on a time scale. So how long that how long that flow goes for and what the patterns of flows are across that time. But yes, it's recognizing those patterns of flow over time and attributing events to that. A university partner, and, and we would probably agree that our accuracy is around about the 80, 80 to 85% mark, which is pretty good. Tell me what you discovered specifically in terms of outdoor water usage. A lot of our focus on outdoor usage was around weather. So what the main drivers of um, outdoor usage was, or, or is. Um, mm. So uh, the existence of rainfall, it, like if it uh, in periods of lesser rain, um, outdoor usage went up. Clearly, higher volumes being used outside in summer months. Strong correlations with, um, in terms of average, average volumes and total volumes with pan evaporation and maximum temperature would be our key findings there. Uh, as soil got drier, then that also increased um, outdoor use volumes as well. Um, yes. Interestingly, the duration of events weren't that impacted by weather. It's more around the the frequency, the volume, and therefore the duration um, of outdoor events are highly impacted by the combination of temperature, pan pan evaporation, and moisture. The interesting thing we want to look at there, though, we want to look at, and we've only just received this data from the Bureau, so we we haven't actually investigated this yet, is that uh, not so much what the weather is today, but what did the forecast say yesterday? Um, if yeah, the right. forecast yesterday said, oh, it's going to rain tomorrow, did that impact the outdoor behaviour or not, which is something that's um, of great interest to us. Um, and again, talking about opportunities here rather than rather than what we've actually done, but I, I think there's um, strong behavioural opportunities there and looking at not just the actual weather but what the forecast weather was. I'm hoping that will be... Um, of great help to us. The other thing we noticed, Peter, was that the um, that swimming pool owners need a lot of attention from us. Um, so uh, a household with a swimming pool uses on average double 
the water outside than what a than what a, a, a property without a swimming pool would use. Wow! And we've also found, yeah, um, and we also found that when we look at our really the top two and a half percent of our outdoor events by volume, swimming pool owners represent double the number of those events than what non-swimming pool owners would do. Um, okay. So wow. there's a, a definitely a some let's say some compa- some campaigns, some opportunities for campaigns, some opportunities for talking with swimming pool owners to say, well, you need to be a bit more careful with your water use. I know that in particular an important aspect of the study was the weather data. Uh, can you talk me through what, what you had available to you? On a monthly basis, the Bureau of Meteorology gives us weather data um, attributed to five-kilometre grids throughout our um, area of operations, which is um, a, a fantastic piece of data because we can, we can place our customers within those grids. Um, and they mm. give us information on minimum and maximum temperatures, um, the amount of rainfall on that day. We get soil moisture um, estimates across our network and also pan evaporation. Pan evaporation is a, it's a literally how fast does um, water evaporate from a, from a pan. So it's right. affected by temperature, by wind, by humidity. It's very closely related to humidity from my understanding, but it's, it's, it's a mix of all those variables. And how important was that data to the overall study? In- incredibly important. Um, it's probably one of the first things I call out in the paper is that what sort of um, uh, how the weather events across our network and the end use results, how they interrelate and how they correlate is a very a, a strong guide for us for where, where, where to look. So if we look at, say, the, the total volume of events, the, the volume of outdoor usage is highly correlated with the uh, the maximum temperature and the pan evaporation and inversely proportional to the higher soil moisture. So the drier the soil, the more the water, outdoor water volume as well. Showers have been interesting to us as well. So people have more frequent showers when, the, when it's hotter. They also have um, longer showers when it's colder. So that's, that's been an interesting finding for us as well. In a way, once we once we thought of ether wall, yeah, that makes sense. People are probably running their showers for a minute to get the hot water up to the up to the shower during winter, um, and probably not waiting as long during the summer. So that was a surprise, but a sensible surprise. Um, we also found that people had more frequent showers when it's um, when it's warmer. So longer showers in winter, but less frequent. More frequent showers. Um, in summer and let's talk about showers for a moment so what other data did you capture around the different hardware that people were using we collected information about what they thought their shower hardware was so we so we do know whether they think they have an efficient shower head or not through the survey we um we found that about 120 of our 200 um, participants uh, responded to the survey as having efficient shower heads but when we compare that data with the um, the actual measurement of the flow rates with those showers um, we've we found that about two-thirds of those um, people do not have efficient shower heads which was interesting in itself as we dig deeper into the efficient shower heads we we do find that the people who do have are measured to have efficient shower shower heads they have showers which are on average one minute longer than those who don't have efficient shower heads um, but on the bright side, they still use less water per shower. So they're about five okay. liters per shower less. That's good then. Yeah, it, it's it's sort of good news wrapped in bad news perhaps. 
it does sort of raise a question for us as well, and it's something we haven't done yet that we need, but we need to do as we continue to analyse this this data, is that how do people behave if they think they have an efficient shower? Are they acting like they have an efficient shower and have longer showers, or mm. are they acting as if they don't have an efficient shower? So that's a, an interesting behavioural thing that we haven't actually investigated yet but it, i suppose it signifies that the more the more we look at this stuff the the more we can dig deeper and deeper into it tell me that you found that there was a high correlation between teenagers in a household and long showers <laughs> <laughs> actually there is there is we did we did actually find that um we can't actually tell who's having the shower um, yeah but we can see that households with teenagers do have longer showers so yes we did yeah. we did see that I'll, I'll be telling my teenagers it's proven. Um, yes. <laughs> what did you discover around rainwater tanks and was there anything that was surprising? I think the rainwater tanks confirmed what we would have thought rainwater tanks would give us. So uh, households with rainwater tanks tended to use less water outdoors and I should qualify that a little bit, maybe not necessarily less water outdoors but less water coming out of the tap, so less sure. potable water being used outdoors. An interesting thing for us to get our head around is that, and I'm not too sure what this is like in other states, but in the, under the BASICS program in New South Wales, in some households they have one of the toilets in their household attached to the rainwater tank as well. Um, yeah. So that meant that um, households with rainwater tanks, we saw less flushes, and that's not, I'm not saying they're using the toilet less, I'm just saying they're using, the flushes are using less water coming right. out of the meter and coming out of the rainwater. And washing machines was another area you um, analysed. Anything that we didn't know already? Actually, I'd probably say I'd probably say there. I, I haven't been in the water industry very long. I've been in the data game for a long time, but not the water industry yes. for very long. So we probably, I probably hadn't thought about this a couple of years ago. But we did find that um, front-loading washing machines, at least the more modern front-loading washing machines, um, use about half as much water as a top-loading washing machine. So there's a, a, a big opportunity there for us. And we probably would have gone ahead with this if we didn't have a big rain event in Sydney in February. We probably would have gone ahead with some sort of washing machine rebate program on the basis of that evidence. So a, a front-loading washing machine you know, uses about 60 litres per load. A top-loading washing machine, um, well above 120 litres per load. Um, and these wow. are also including quite modern. Part of our survey was how old, was your wash how old is your washing machine? Um, so these are quite modern top-loading washing machines we're talking about as well. So a definite opportunity there in encouraging our customers to use front-loading washing machines. Now, what's next for the study? Um, is it ongoing or have you concluded? Um, it is ongoing. I probably should mention that the we did do a lot of this stuff for our drought response, so to inform our campaigns, to to help with our restrictions design, to try and, to try and estimate how much we'd save from our water restrictions as well. The water restrictions still exist um, in Sydney. Campaigns will go on in, in encouraging people to use less water, um, and as such, the end use study will is continuing. We've recently renewed the loggers. We've got less participants than what we used to have, but we've recently renewed the loggers and we'll continue to collect data on them. Very interested in the transitional behaviours from not a non-restricted regime through to a restricted regime so we had restrictions level one restrictions started in june 2019 which was the last month of our the first phase of our study um yep. 
we those restrictions went through to December and we changed to level two restrictions. Then it rained in February, we've geared back to level one. There's talk about what we're going to do now in Sydney as are we going to stick with level one or are we going to gear back further? The end use study will go on as a, a study looking at the behaviours that we experienced in the sample across the restrictions and to continue and inform our, our drought response and to continue to help us with our long-term forecasting and design of water efficiency programs. And I know that you're keen to share this information with other utilities, that's correct? Yes, that is correct. I've been approached a couple of times. Um, I, th- I think probably priorities priorities have made that a bit difficult for us, but I think it is important for us to... Um, uh, look, I know that there's been studies in Queensland. I know there's been studies in Melbourne. Um, I think there's a study going on right now um, in Western Australia. It would be interesting to compare notes to compare our analysis paths on that to look at maybe what, what some of the things that Sydney find is Melbourne seeing the same sort of behaviour, for example. So, yes, we would be keen on setting up regular conversations around that to, to share our findings and to and to encourage people to look in the same places we're looking and, and vice versa. Well, congratulations on your study and the work that you're doing. And we, we all know the importance of such analysis in a country like Australia. I've been speaking with Andrew Woods, Strategic Analytics Manager at Sydney Water. Thanks for your time, Andrew. Thanks very much, Peter. It's been a pleasure.